Hey, welcome to Church Alive's podcast. We are so blessed and so honored that you could join us here today. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Our mission here is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the message. Really cool, really cool. Awesome stuff. All right, let's pray and then get into it. Father, I just thank you for these moments. I just pray in the name of Jesus, every man, every woman, every family represented. God, would you speak to them? Holy Spirit, I need you. Your people need you. Flow through me today. I pray the breath of heaven be over this house. I pray a restoring of dreams. I pray a, a, a infusion of hope. I pray, Lord God, that there would be some just shifting in mindsets where people are stuck. And God, I pray that your vision, your vision for their life would become their vision. Father, I ask it now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. Come on, thank you. Worship team, thank you guys. You can grab your seat. Some of you are standing up and not sure what to do. Um, how many of you get pop-ups on your computer and you ignore them? Anyone? Can we see the little pop-up? I want to show you. Um, how many of you get uh, these pop-ups and um, how many of you, you're almost like one of those people, you're excited to like download the new version and you do it right away? Anyone right away? I didn't think there'd be many of us. There's like seven of us who were like, yes, there's an update. Come on. How many of you ignore this for at least nine months? at least nine months. How many of you even get irritated at it? Like, it, it, I, 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 I like, why? You're blocking my screen. And I, and I kind of get mad at it. And then I realize it's my fault, you know? Um, and, and what's interesting about it is, is obviously it's there for your betterment, right? It's there for your computer betterment. It's, it's, it works better. It's faster. It can accomplish more. And it normally is dealt with some of the little bugs that kind of come, obviously, in computers. What if... What if you met you, and you met the updated version of you? Wouldn't that be a little weird for a moment? Like you got to sit down across, like a year from now, you met the updated version of you. And you're sitting there and you're looking at 2.0 you, and you're like, you look a little happier. You're a little more positive. You're kind of like, I don't like you. Because you make me look bad. <laughs> How many of you believe that you can become the 2.0 version of you? Yeah. I truly believe you can as God works on you, as you allow God to do the little surgeries that He needs to do. God actually needs to transform you. How many of you are hoping that when you married someone, they'd keep improving, not get worse? Right? How many of you hope that they would keep updating and not just say no to every change that needs to come their way? Because God's changes need to get rid of some of the bugs in your system, don't they? Some of the bugs in your thinking and so forth. And um, I, I think if you were to meet the better version, the 2.0 version of you, I think that version of you would have a little twinkle in his eye. I think he'd be positive. I think um, he'd be getting unstuck. I'm not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about progress in each area of your life. And, um, and I think, and I know that you live with vision. 
Here's what I'm absolutely convinced of. I'm convinced, while I spit at the front crowd, I'm convinced. <laughs> it's leftover Thanksgiving, and that's my way to give you thanks. <laughs> it's anointed. It's just not at all. It's actually like the non-anointed version of me. All right, let's keep going. But we've been in a series in our church called Winning in Life, and we've talked about, we've talked about getting clarity and accountability. We've talked about the high cost of stuck living. We've talked about um, perseverance and the need for you and me to persevere in life and keep going and, and not quit because there's such a high cost to quitting. We've talked about the incredible importance of guarding your heart and we talked about how if we do not guard our heart, our heart will become cold and distant towards God and actually cold and distant often towards people. You'll either become a, a person of compromise or you'll become kind of a, an ugly, self-righteous kind of Christian who judges everyone but doesn't even realize that he needs to look in the mirror himself. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to talk to you though about this thought today that your calendar needs an update. Your calendar needs an update. And I would actually say to you today that if I don't affect your calendar, I don't know if I've affected you at all. Because I've listened to so many inspirational talks. Sometimes I'm in the gym, I was listening to T.D. Jakes the other day. How many know T.D. Jakes can get you fired up? Like, just like, whoa, I just got off bench press and T.D. Jakes was preaching to me. I was just like, ah, and then I got up in the gym, I was like, ugh. And then here's the funny thing, but sometimes when I listen to inspirational talks, I'm literally like, but what do I do now? Because sometimes you can go to a conference in a weekend and, and listen to some of the greatest communicators out there. And sometimes the truth is they give you some information that does help your thinking. But eventually, if it doesn't really affect the way you do life, perhaps it doesn't really affect you the way or as much as you think it does. Because if you affect my ritual, if you affect my everyday, if you affect my week, if you affect my year and how I do life, you affect me for the rest of my life. And so I want to talk to you today along that line. You see, I've heard people walk out of messages and conferences and say, that message rocked my world. I hope this rocks your calendar. Because if it rocks your calendar, it'll rock you. Because it'll be a continual habit for the rest of your days. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't just want to inspire you what to do because inspiration without application leads to frustration, doesn't it? Yeah. So three components that I think have to be in your actual calendar. The first one is Thanksgiving. It has to be in your calendar, but it's not in your calendar on a weekend basis. Once a year, you and I get to eat a lot of turkey and drink a lot of gravy. I believe that Thanksgiving must be an every morning thing for you. I actually believe that it should be a daily thing for you. Does that make sense? Um, I don't think there's anyone here that believes that being a whiny, complaining person is awesome. Anyone? Anyone just believe that you'd rather be whiny, complaining, and just negative? <laughs> actually, you shy away from those people, don't you? Right? Yeah, they walk in a room and, and instead of lighting up the room, they light up the room when they leave. Right? Listen to what God did in Esther chapter 9 
was reading the book of Esther recently, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is Thanksgiving. In Esther chapter 9, he institutes the Feast of Purim, and it says this, and to have them celebrate annually, someone say annually, the 14th and the 15th days of, and the month of Adar, and as the time when the Jews got release, uh, relief sorry, from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy, and their mourning into a, a day of celebration. Someone say celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of what? Feasting. Feasting. How do we know that God did this? How do we think God's awesome? Haven't you noticed that you and I kind of say, hey, hey, how was Thanksgiving? I hope you didn't eat too much. God's like, you should eat a lot on this weekend. You should just eat and just, just, just why? Because it's actually, it's, it's a, it's a anointed party. It really is. Because sometimes you can be so on, uh, strict on yourself that you're at a party and everyone else is having a good time and you're sitting there eating wafer crackers. Like, no, I'm on a diet. And feel like, ah, oh, okay, I'll go talk to someone else. But he says this, he wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and, and joy. Someone say joy. joy. I like this. This reminds me of, of Christmas. He says, and giving presents of food to one another. And then he says this, and gifts to the poor. So important that actually that you and I don't just have a Thanksgiving morning or a thankful day. We actually take time and thank God. And so this, this uh, over the last few days, I've been trying to take some time and just write down like everything I'm thankful for. Just write down everything. Because how many of you know that Thanksgiving or thankfulness doesn't happen automatically? Yeah. Like you can be celebrating Thanksgiving, but internally it's it's actually not happening in your heart, and I hate doing that. And so I made myself just write down all the things I'm thankful for, and I'm blessed. But what I like about doing that is it really does give you perspective, like, oh, I really am blessed. And then Thanksgiving is actually a place where you sit instead of something that you do. Does that make sense? Um, so, you know, scientific studies have found this, that gratitude is associated with uh, there'll be a quick list here. Greater happiness, more optimism and positive emotions, new and lasting relationships, better health, more progress towards personal goals, fewer aches and pains. How's that? I should stop talking about my injuries. More alertness and determination, increased generosity and empathy, better sleep and improved self-esteem. All out of thankfulness. Isn't that powerful? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 Steve read this this morning. Rejoice always, pray continually. And then it says this, give thanks. Like you got to give it. You have to literally be active in it. The Hebrew word is a word, yada. Someone say yada. And it literally means to throw it. You've got to get so proactive in thanks that you are physically active in it. Otherwise, it's kind of, I don't want thankful kids in their hearts, but they never say it. How about you? Like, and how many of you know that your kids get way more blessings if they're thankful? Yeah. Whiny kids get jack squat. I just released some of you to get more blessed by heaven, right? The Lord's like, who should I bless? This whiny little turd? <laughs> or should I bless this one who's thanking me for what he already has? God will release the, 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 the doorways of blessing on your life if you're thankful. But, but, and here's why I need, I need to say that this message needs to affect your calendar. Because hearing about Thanksgiving on the weekend or the weekend of Thanksgiving is almost like, thanks, Anthony. Thank you for reminding me that I need to be thankful. 
There's another thing that I don't do. On the big list of things that I'm meant to do, right? But Thanksgiving, see, Jesus says, when he says, Father, hallowed be your name, he understood that that moment right there was not a quick prayer. It was a way of life of praying, praising, and thanking. Praising and thanking, praising and thanking, praising and thanking, and it starts off every day. And I would encourage you, try this out for a while. Start the day every day praying, but more importantly, not just praying, thanking and praising, and feel the emotion on the inside of what you're actually thankful for, and then guess what? You be a happier person. Oh, that's so good preaching. My goodness. I don't know if you're getting this or not. I don't know if you're... Like how, like listen, the 2.0 version of you has killed the bug of whininess. Let me say that again. The 2.0, the updated version of you has killed whininess. The, the, The better version of you is not a whiner. Do you know, I was hearing someone preach the other day. I love listening to preaching. And I was hearing someone preach. He's like, God can use anyone. God can use anyone. And I believe that, but I found he doesn't use whiners. I found the devil uses whiners. When the devil's you looking for people, he's like, who can I use? Oh, there's a whiner. I'll bring him over to my kingdom. And you can be going to church and the devil's using you in his kingdom. And you're like, no, I serve the Lord. No, you don't. Whining all the time. Whininess is the language of hell. It is the language of the defeated. How many know that sometimes you got to slap the whiner within? Slap him and get him to wake up. Are you with me? Do you know that one of the meanings of complain means to just remain? One of the meanings of complain means to remain, to stay where you are. Ah, can you slap your neighbor and tell him it's time to be thankful? How thankful. Remember back in the day um, when you go into a, a bar and, um, and you come out and you'd smell like cigarettes, like your hair, your clothes and so forth. You would come out like, and I would say this, that sometimes we're giving God a little bit of thanks, but then we go back into our environment and our environment is actually whining and complaining and we're expecting heaven's best and heaven's blessing, but we go back into an environment of whininess. And so I, I honestly believe it's, it's almost like God gets, when you and I change the environment of our home and we get thankful and we get just, just, God, thank you. It's almost like God blows the wind of that smoke and that smell out of your house and the freedom that comes to your room and your house and your mind is actually affecting the environment. Like Thanksgiving is like Febreze. Yeah, you and I just need to walk around the house and then someone comes up whining, just spray them right in the face. Just, no, stop it. Right, we... At Church of Life, we serve the Lord with gladness. Like, we serve the Lord with gladness. We serve the Lord with gladness. We, and even if you've got to fake it, how many of you had to fake it? I'd rather you fake positivity than just be an authentic whiner. Because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes you're actually not thankful, right? Like, I remember one day, years ago, 
I, was, I, I got down um, to pray. It was Sunday morning. I was getting ready to preach, and I didn't feel very thankful. And I literally got down on my knees, and I just kind of went through some of the motions of like, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you. But what's interesting is I actually stayed long enough, and all of a sudden, faking Thanksgiving turned into like authentic Thanksgiving. And then when I turned it into authentic Thanksgiving, all of a sudden, I promise you, it was like the anointing of God came in the room. And before you know it, like I was thanking and praying and, and, and I was crying and it got ugly. You know, I ever got ugly crying? I got really ugly. I was like, ah! <laughs> then I went and looked in the mirror just to see what I looked like when I was crying. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I just, just thought I'd throw that out there. Someone say daily. daily. Daily praise, daily prayer, daily thanksgiving affects your mind. I'll say weekly, this has to affect your calendar. The next section I want to talk to you about is that it has to affect your calendar. It cannot just affect your theology. It has to affect your calendar, what you do every day. And so... Um, it, it, and it ties into the weekend of thanksgiving. It's not just thanks, but it's giving. Giving will shape your heart like almost nothing else. Hear, hear me on this. Giving shapes you, and it doesn't shape you occasionally, but it, it shapes you regularly and consistently. And I, I, I would honestly say that some of the stories I hear out of our men's transform is how many guys began to start to giving, and, and I... I just asked what changed your life and so many of them say it was actually giving that changed my life. Why? Because there's something attached to you and your heart about giving, isn't there? There's, there's like, isn't it weird that we can trust God for eternity with our forgiveness, but we find a hard time sometimes to trust Him with our wallet, which makes zero sense. Like all of us should trust God way more with money than we do with eternity because eternity's forever. And we're like, okay, God, I'll give you my money. I'm not sure if I'll give you forever. But what's weird is that our faith goes, Jesus, forgive me, but he's like, I'll trust you with eternity, but not, forever, not my money. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and here's what I found. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you just so you know that I'm talking according to the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 8 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for whose sake? Yet for your sake, for my sake, for everyone's sake, he became what? So that you, through his poverty, actually might become rich. Jesus modeled generosity to you and for me for the rest of our days. Can I get a good amen on that? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people. This is Paul speaking by the Holy Spirit. He says, Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. He says, This is the pattern. This is the model. On the first day of the week. Someone say the first. On the first day of which week? Every. Every week. So it's not even like at the last day, occasionally, that you would perhaps, in the, if you're feeling like super generous on the inside, if you kind of get it, like, oh my God, I'm so generous, I'm just going to give money away. This isn't the principle. The principle is on the first day of the week that you give according to your income and your blessing he says this, on the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Their giving was first and best. It was regular and it was planned. 
I would honestly say to you that the thing that perhaps has shifted my heart, perhaps more than many other things, is actually because I've planned to be generous. And I can say this, for every strong, mature Christian I've ever met, every single one of them says, would, would tell you this, I've, I've trusted God with my giving and He's blessed me and it's changed my life. Listen to what the Bible says in, in uh, Psalm 112 verse 5. I've been memorizing this scripture recently. Good will come to those who are generous. Someone say good will come. Good will come to those who are generous and, and watch this now. They lend freely and, and they conduct their affairs with, ju- with justice. Isaiah 32 verse 8. But generous people, watch this now, they plan. Someone say plan. But the generous people plan to do what is and watch this now, and they stand firm in their generosity. Are you with me, Church of Life? Right? So Thanksgiving is a daily thing. It should affect and must affect my calendar. Generosity is actually a weekly thing that affects me every single week. I notice I'm not getting a lot of amens. I just noticed that for a second. I just... <laughs> about a year ago I was uh, getting ready to deliver a talk on Sunday but I was cooking for the family on Saturday night I was cooking chicken was out in the grill it was pretty cold and I was just cooking chicken I wasn't doing any spiritual and I promise you as clear as a bell I felt like the Lord speak to my heart and he said why are you gonna why are you gonna preach apologetically about about tithing and, and money. And I went, uh. it felt like an awkward moment because I'm like, what do you mean? And I had realized that the way I had orchestrated my message was kind of like this, like I was going to go into it and weave through it and then finally get to the point where you finally tell people like generosity is really good for them. But knowing that some people don't really like it, but I felt the Lord speak to my heart. He says, why are you going to apologize for what I don't apologize for doing? And it, and it honestly did something to my heart. And I was like, wow, wait, so he's the dad and I'm the son. And I'm just to go and tell other sons what daddy said. And here's the thing. When I go, I, I do this a lot. I say, uh, Benny, can you go tell Shelly to go clean a room? Because it's a disaster. How many of you want neat kids? How many of you are still working on it? Yeah, we're working on it, okay? See, I can't have Rachel tidy her room occasionally and be a neat person. You know you and I cannot give occasionally and become a generous person? You can't be an occasional fitness person and be a fit person? You You can't occasionally show up to your job and have a job. You can't occasionally pay your rent. You can't occasionally pay your mortgage. You are called a person who used to have a house, right? Because what I consistently do eventually becomes who I am. So if I consistently encourage people, if I consistently pray for people, if I consistently spend time with God, if I consistently pay my mortgage, if I consistently do those things, eventually I become a reliable person. And here's what I've found. God wants his kids generous. And here's the thing. He's not sorry at all. I came to tell some of you, dad's not sorry. 
He wants you to be generous. So when he teaches you generosity, guess what? He actually, how many of you would like to be a generous person? Please put up your hand quickly. Just go, the rest of you, okay, there's some weirdos in the house. But other than that, (laughs) you would like to be generous. Can I suggest to you today, you don't become generous in one moment of generosity. That's an occasionally, sometimes generous person. You become generous over years. You become faithful over years. You become a praying person over years. You become a man of faith over years of doing it. Am I, am I preaching to anyone? Yes. Listen to what the Bible says, Isaiah 32 verse 8. But generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. What I found is that God wants you and me to be a thankful person. And guess what? He's not sorry about it. God wants you and me to be a generous person and he's not sorry that he tells you to give. Now here's where sometimes, here's where sometimes people have a kickback against it. If you're a person and you're not sure you know God, if you're not sure you, you are in the family, if you're not sure you're a son or a daughter, I would say this part of this message is not for you whatsoever. I never, ever want you to give if you're not sure of your relationship with God because I want you to be sure that you're a child of God, right? Because once you've actually received the grace of God, once you've actually said yes to Jesus, then at that point, now I have to speak to you as a son and a daughter and not someone who perhaps maybe believes in God. So sometimes what happens is that people hear messages about finance and generosity and they take it from a place where they have not received the grace of God yet. And so all it seems is that that person is after someone's money. But I just want to say this to you. God's after your character. And, And he's not sorry. Like It's almost like this. Like God's not sorry when he tells you to clean your room because he wants you to be a neat person. God's not sorry when he tells you to go talk to someone and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. He's just, he's just being dad. So when dad, listen to me, when dad tells you, you need regular, consistent generosity in your life, he does it so that you become regular, consistent, and generous. Do you see the tool? I hope you're receiving that. Amen. Oh, and by the way, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but what the heck. So about, again, when you give, someone say, when I give. When I give. Give worshipfully, give consistently, give regularly, but attach faith to it. Honestly, attach faith to it. Now, don't attach like, I want a Lamborghini. But maybe one day, if you're a billionaire, I mean, who cares? Whatever. (laughs) So recently, I felt like the Lord really challenged me on giving. And I was like, Lord, I was talking about something. I was like, hey, Lord, do you want to bless me? And um, (laughs) and I felt like the Lord was like, what do you believe me for? I just went, oh, nothing. So honestly, over the last six months, I, I felt like I literally had to shift my faith that when I give... Um, we, we automate our giving so it's easy for us to just kind of go the bucket passes on by. But now I grab an envelope and I write down unbelieving. And I write down a couple of things that I'm believing God for and put it in the bucket. Why? Because I want to activate my faith. Yeah. So in 41 years, no one's ever given me a vacation. 
But I was praying about a vacation. I was like, Lord, I'd like a vacation. And just like three weeks ago, someone texted me. He's like, hey, man, I'm taking a couple of dudes who are pastors and leaders uh, from around the country, and we're going to go to Florida, and um, all you're going to do is cover your airfare. And I was like, and I forgot about it. I was like, of course I'm coming, number one. <laughs> and then I remembered, oh, I've been believing God for like vacations. So in 41 years, no one's ever given me a vacation, but it just so happens that in the three to five months that I've been starting to believe God to activate faith on, on blessing. Now, now, that doesn't mean like you, the bucket passes and tomorrow if you don't go to Hawaii. Can we have some balance? Amen. Yeah. Right? Can we have some wisdom? Go, oh, I prayed and nothing happened. I gave $10 and I asked for 100 and it didn't happen like tomorrow. I'm talking about years of consistent just generosity over time and stuff. But just so happened that, oh, see, this guy knows so many people that he could ask anyone to go. But I think the Lord was like, remind, Anthony's been believing me. Isn't that good? Come on, that's good. So you believe God for what you want. And he'll either give it to you or he won't, and that's okay. Does that make sense? All right. Weekly generosity, daily thanksgiving. And I just want to mention this last one, and this is where I want to sit. I've got three minutes and 53 seconds to close. Great. Can I have the worship team to come back? Um, I want to talk to you about weekly vision. Weekly vision. One of the things I've been doing over the last six months, probably a year, um, is every Sunday night, I just draw my four quadrants, and I just write a goal, write a goal, write a goal. So can you put the quadrants up, guys, if you have that slide somewhere? Or if not, I'm not sure they have it. Um, oh, there we go. Go back. That one's not appropriate. <laughs> not in a wrong way. It's just not. Uh, <laughs> you're like, that's not appropriate. <laughs> if you see the four quadrants of faith and health and relationships and finances and so forth. Um, so for about the last nine months, just every Sunday night, I do these quadrants. And then if I don't get a chance to do that on Monday night, that's what we do at Transform. And so we get clear and we get accountable and we just get those four areas just saying, God, help me move my life forward. And here's why, how many of you ever set uh, like uh, long-term like yearly goals? How many uh, goal setters at the start of the year? You're like, yeah, I'm gonna do this and stuff. Here's why most of it doesn't work. Because it never actually gets on your calendar. You're like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. And then seven weeks later, you're like, what was I going to do again? I've, I've, I've been so guilty of this over my life. And, um, but God, I, I want to say this. God wants you to be a thankful person. God wants you to be a generous person. But God wants you to live with vision that works. See, here's how God did it. God actually had a weekly strategy to... Uh, to, to make the world. In Genesis 1, day 1, He does something with vision and action and reflection and He does it in day 2 and day 3 and day 4 and day 5 and He basically creates what He wanted to do in a week. And I would say to every single one of you that if you want to push each area of your life forward for the rest of your life, it's somehow going to be a specific strategy and you're going to have to say, God, help me do it and it's practical and it's portable until it becomes a very good habit. And then you may be able to just leave it alone. Does that make sense? 
Like once, some of you are doing so well in some areas of your life, you don't need to set some type of weekly goal in it because your habit is so successful. Does that make sense? But I do want to say this, though I want our church to have clear and accountable type of goals and you move different areas of your life forward, more than anything else, do you know what I really want? I felt like the Holy Spirit just shifted my heart about this part of the message. The Holy Spirit wants you to have His picture of your life burning on the inside. I want to say today that there are people in here that you are called to start businesses, but they're God's dream for your life. I want to say to some people today, there's some people here who are called to preach and do what I'm doing or maybe start churches. There's some people here today that you're called to be support to those people and support. Like, not everyone's meant to be the one guy who leads it. But I actually so believe that you are called to live with passionate vision about your life. My life changed not because of the four quadrants, but because in a moment of prayer and a moment of worship, God showed me a picture of Jesus and then literally Him speaking to me about preaching. And time and time again, He would give me different pictures of me speaking in front of people. And He said, preach my word. And a fire got in the inside of me. And that fire actually changed my life. In Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah sees the Lord so differently and all of a sudden there becomes a fire in Him that was like a fire that He could not consume. Reinhard Bonnke, one of the greatest evangelists to ever live, was a 19-year-old German kid and God spoke to him and showed him a vision of Africa covered in blood and He said, Africa must be saved. Africa, He says, must be saved. And the vision that God had for him was different than his vision, but it was God's vision. And I want each and every single one of you to know that God has a vision for your life. And it's critical that we tap into that. Is anyone getting this? Listen, God sees your life. God sees it. He created it. He made it. And His call is on your life. And some of you, that just means following Jesus with all your heart. You don't know what that looks like. Some of you need to be business people who make a difference where you are. Some of you need to be mothers. Some of you need to be fathers just with a passion to do it so well. Some of you need to have a heart for other men to make a difference in their life. Some of you need to have a heart for other women to make a difference in their life. Would you close your eyes with me? Would you bow your head? Father, I pray today you would impart vision. Spirit of the living God, I pray when people are stuck, you get them unstuck. Walk across every aisle now. Touch every heart. Put in each man a passion to become the man he's called to be. Put in each lady a, a passion to become the woman she's called to be. God, give your vision to their lives. May they never, ever be the same again. I want us to pray this simple prayer. It goes like this. Jesus, I surrender my vision. And I receive and I want your vision for my life. I lay down. 
where I've made my vision an idol. And I ask for heaven's vision for my life. Heaven's fire to burn in my heart. Help me see it. today and you've never met Christ today. You don't know of your relationship with God. You have a faith perhaps. You grew up Christian, grew up Catholic. But it's never been authentically real for you. It's been mum's faith. It's been dad's faith. It's been maybe passed along to some degree. But do you know Jesus? know without a shadow of a doubt he's forgiven your sin and come into your life does he call you son does he call you daughter he died to call you son he died to call you daughter we are not automatically his sons we are automatically his offspring but by the grace of God he forgives us and cleanses us and makes us his sons and his daughters so I'm going to pray a prayer in this place and all across this place I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer and if you mean business with God just in your own heart. Pray by faith that Jesus would change your life. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Today, I place my faith, not my mother's faith, not my father's faith, but mine in you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Change me. Make me to be the person you created me to be. Thank you, Jesus. There's a sign of surrender all across this place. On the count of three, would you quickly let me know? One, two, three, all across this place. Raise your hand, raise up real high. That was me. Come on, all across this place, all across this place. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lots of hands going up today. Thank you in the back there. That's awesome. Anyone else today? Just quickly raise your hand, raise up high. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart, again. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for every hand and every heart across this church. Touch their lives. May they never be the same. Give you all the praise and all the glory. Come on, church alive. Can we put our hands together? Hey, once again, thank you guys for checking us out at Church Alive. If you want to hear more of these messages and want to just hear more about what's going on in the life of our church, make sure to follow us on social media so you can hear more messages just like this and just really hear what's going on in the life of our church. We'll see you this weekend. Have a great week.